Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner. Alan Klopine next to me. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Markets, almost 19,000, bud. Yeah, we're, uh, we're getting a little Trump bounce, I guess, is what some people are calling it. <laughs> Can you believe the press? I mean, <laughs> two weeks ago, it was the markets are going to collapse if Trump wins, and now we're getting the Trump bounce. So bad. <laughs> Hey, speaking of investments, yes. what do you think about dividend-paying stocks? Well, that's a good question, Joe, because right now- in, Let's ask a CPA. In this, in this, yeah, ask a CPA about an investment vehicle and see what you get. <laughs> However, it's a good question because- You have ye- an article. Yields, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I got some help. You set me up perfectly until you just blew me up. <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's- I mean, how many times have you heard people come into our office and say, "Joe, Al, I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some high dividend paying stocks because you can't get any yield on your savings accounts and the bonds they're not paying enough." But these these high dividend stocks, I can, I can make a, a good income and yet they still can go up in value. Sure. I mean, we hear this all the time. And I'm, not, I'm, I, I think it's a good strategy to have dividend paying stocks, but it's also good to have other types of stocks. So you, I, I think the problem lies is when you just concentrate on one area. And I think still to this day, most don't understand that when the dividend is paid, the stock price falls by that amount. I was teaching a class, Maricosta College, and I knew this gentleman yes. was all about dividend-paying stocks. Sure. And I'm like, sure, yeah, that's a great strategy. However, you don't want to... Discount other types of stocks. Right. I want a globally diversified portfolio. I want dividend-paying stocks. I want non-dividend-paying stocks. I want small companies. I want large. I want mid-size. I want value. I want growth. I want international. I want, right? And he's kind of with his arms are folded, right? And I'm like, oh god, I know where this is going. <laughs> and and then and then I went through this whole tax thing too, right? About how the Roth IRA works. And I spent an hour about how the Roth IRA works. And then I get into the investments, right? Here, this is certain investments. This is how they work. And then he raises his hand because he's grouchy Gary. He's like, well, huh? Well, if I put dividend-paying stocks in my Roth, is the dividend tax-free? Yes. We just spent an hour and a half talking about the tax. It's tax-free. Everything. Yes. So then I'm like, all right, well, the guy's a dividend-paying so then I said, okay, well, here, here's a strategy that a lot of people are using, which there's pros and cons to it, right? So it's just wide open. It's just an educational setting. I'm like, if you have a portfolio full of dividend-paying stocks, which is great, you might get the dividend. However, the stock price reduces its value by the dividend. And then he goes, well, not my stocks. <laughs> not, not mine. Not mine. <laughs> are you sure about that? I was like, no, I'm lying to you. <laughs> I, no, I, I like to make things up about dividend-paying stocks. He's like, well, mine don't. 
I was like, well, do you reinvest your dividend? Right. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, then the market value is probably when they you get the dividend and then you reinvest it. So the stock price goes down, but then you bought another share. Right. So your market value will probably be the same, but your share price, did you look at your share price? The share price goes down by the same amount of the dividend. And I, so my point was that you could create a synthetic type of dividend. You can sh- sell like a, a, a share of a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund or an index fund to create that same dividend. And then he's like, well, mine doesn't. I'm like, well, you got to think about this. If I'm given a dividend, that means there's capital coming out of the company, right? It's not a coupon payment. It's not an interest payment. It's not a bond. It's a stock. You're an owner of the company. They're distributing some of the cash back to you. Of course, the stock price has to go down. Right. But. Yeah, Joe, and a lot of people don't really understand that. And that, that's one of the six reasons why it's not necessarily the best idea to focus solely on dividend-paying stocks. And, and in fact, if you have a company that doesn't pay dividends, you don't, you're not paying taxes as you go. With dividend-paying stocks, you're paying taxes as you go. Right, you're and, reinvesting the and, dividend. And, you don't necessarily right. notice anything, but at the end, you get the 1099 of a dividend, right? So then you have to yes. pay tax on it. And you're paying taxes on it. So here's a few other things. One is historic performance, and I know you can pick probably any time period. I just happen to have in front of me, this is the last 10 years, according to Morningstar, and they have their own composite averages. The Morningstar dividend leaders uh, earned a little over 6% over the 10-year period ending October 31st of 16. And the Morningstar dividend composite was about 7. I'm rounding. Uh, Everything else was higher. Those were the two lowest performing asset classes. Why do you think that is? Well, it's it's because everyone is trying to buy dividend stocks, and so it's pushing the price up so it, they're not good values, which is another one of the six reasons. Oh, is it? Right? But, uh, you know, you look at uh, mid-value. So it's about seven and three quarters. You get up to large core, 8%. Mid core is over 8%. Now, 6% to 8% may not sound like a lot, but compounded year after year after year, that makes a big difference in your portfolio. You know, and, what's the time frame on that? 10 years. All right. Well, the next 10 years could be a little bit different. It could be different. Course. Yeah. Sure. And I, I'm not saying that's the only reason you ought to think about it. But uh, one, one of the things is uh, what we call performance chasing. Uh, we're just kind of getting into that. And the gist of this is over time, investors who buy and hold long-term investments, specifically low-cost uh, index funds, earn even more than investors chasing the latest investment trend. So if you're only thinking of investing in one thing like dividends, trust me when I, you know, this is the article, when I say everyone and their grandma's doing it, and it's true, everyone's talking about getting into dividend stocks. And so what does that mean? It's only a matter of time that the dividend stock price Stock prices go up because of the demand. It's supply and demand, supply right? And the demand. more people that are buying, what happens? The price it increases. Right, right. Joe, another thing is diversification. Uh, you know, we all talk about diversi- diversification. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And this is the same thing with with dividends. It's it's a type of asset class. It's a type of company that's paying dividends. But it's it, it's they're generally they tend to be more would you agree joe more value type companies uh, as a as a whole not always but in many cases the growth companies uh, high growth companies like apple and other ones like that they they either pay 
really low dividends or not too many dividends at all. So you're you're getting a certain asset class, which is great. I want, but I want you to have all the asset classes. I want you to have small companies, mid companies, large companies. But if you look at the composite though, too, let's say a value companies, and it depends on how you want to define value. Um, we look at it from a book uh, to market ratio, right? So. Um, there are, yeah, but it's more of a value play for dividends, and we're a value type company. We love value stocks. We love small company stocks. We tilt our portfolios towards those particular asset classes, um, because if you combine those asset classes over time, um, you know, I guess history suggests that you'll have a higher expected return, just because of the risk component within those types of stocks. So, yes, yeah, and so, and we got uh, maybe a couple of minutes left, but. Uh, another thing I'd, I want to go over, and this is kind of related to what we've been talking about, is the cost. And on average, we all know that you want to buy low and sell high. And it, it just goes to reason that a certain asset class that everybody wants is going to be priced more high. And that's exactly what's going on with dividend-paying stocks right now. And then when you look at some of the cost ratios, for example, this is uh, this just an example. I mean, you could probably find another one that goes the other way, but this is what's in this article. The iShares Core S&P total stock market ETF expense ratio is 0 0.03. Three basis points, three one-hundredths of a percentage point. And yet the iShares Select Dividend ETF expense ratio is 0.39, 39 basis points, or roughly 13 times more expensive. In other words, the internal costs inside of these funds, and these two as a comparison, is more expensive. And part of the reason why it's more expensive is that there has to be a, a little bit more of a team of people picking these stocks. And you know what? They're not cheap. There's analysts, there's stock pickers, and you got to pay for them somehow. And those costs, even though you don't pay for them what's, what seems directly, but you kind of do because it reduces the rate of return inside the fund. Got to take another break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, certified financial planner. I'm with Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. Loving every minute of the show today. You are or I am? I, I am. Our, our listeners are. <laughs> <laughs> and now it is my favorite time of the show because it is uh, the Question Corner, Al. That's our new segment title. Question Corner. Yeah. Okay, cue the new music. <laughs> yes. Do, 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 do. It is, um, it's, it's, we, this is where we answer email questions, right? Okay. Some good email questions this this week. Got some good I'm, ones? I'm saying that hypothetically because I have not read one of them. Well, I know. I haven't seen them, so I'm trusting you, Joseph. So I have my list, and then, of course, Megan has, or Mikan has hers, and I'm not going to go with Mikan's because I don't really like her questions. Yeah, you said the same thing last week. I know. She, didn't get, she, she must not listen to the show. Seeing, we're seeing a trend here. <laughs> okay. Can I claim a loss, all right, from my Roth IRA? This is to you, Al. Okay. All right, I have a Roth IRA open for over 10 years now. Okay. I have contributed about $15,000. But I lost around 80% of it due to some stocks that I invested in. Can I claim this 80% loss in my tax return? I know that I can claim up to $3,000 for capital losses in regular investment, but I, can I claim my losses in the Roth IRA when I withdraw the money? Also, the stock I own is under a lawsuit. I own 100 shares 
and bought it around $14 a share when it's at its peak. Now the share is only $1. $1. Oh, boy. Well, I'm sorry to say the answer is no. You cannot take a loss in a Roth IRA. It's a special kind of retirement account where neither the income, dividends, principal growth is taxable, but the same works if you lose money. It's not deductible. It's it's an account that really is not taxed either direction, and that's unfortunate because when you have a Roth IRA and and you diligently put money into that Roth IRA, you want this thing to grow because all future income growth principal is tax-free. Now, I know there's something that you can claim a small loss on an IRA. Yeah, there is. I wasn't going to go there because she said this. She had been doing it for 10 years. But if you put in a Roth contribution, and uh, I think it's it's within a year's time, if it goes down in value and you pull that out, you can take a miscellaneous itemized deduction. There's something like that. But in this case, it's seasoned money. No, unfortunately, when you put, and that's why it's really important to make sure you're investing properly. And so instead of, picking a stock or two or three that can go way up or way down, as in this particular case, why not pick an asset class that is invest like a like a, a, a small value um, um, uh, uh, ETF or index fund? Here, here's, what, here's what I would say to this. And I think it depends on your net worth. It depends on how much assets that you have. And it depends on how savvy you are as an investor. If I want to take a bet on something, right? So let's say that I have... A, a, a decent sized portfolio and maybe I want to take 5%, 3% of that portfolio and maybe play some bets, right? It, it sounds like this was a pretty small startup type of company that blew up or, you know, so yeah. it could have gone gangbusters or so maybe you put $10,000 and you see what happens, right? Because if it blows up, that's in a Roth IRA, that's going to be all tax free for you. And if it blows up on this side, right, um, on, on the flip side, well, then you lose. So you got to be careful. And I think I agree with you on the conservative side because it's very difficult. Well, it's not very difficult, but there's limitations to get money into a Roth, right? Right. So if I make too much money, I can't do a direct contribution. I can do conversions, but then I have to pay tax on it. So there's a lot of work around the smart strategy to get money into a tax-free position. The last thing that you want to do in most cases is take an absorbent amount of risk in that account where it could go to zero here. Yeah, so in this example, I, I, I think that, is it she? I'm, she, he, neither? It's Pat. Pat, it's, it could be either. <laughs> it's Pat. We'll, we'll, we'll say it's she. Uh, so if she's under 50, she would have been putting $5,500 per year into this Roth had, if she was max funding it. So that's $55,000, and sounds like at one point maybe it was up at 100000 bucks. So, But it sounds like, Joe, it was all pretty speculative. And so I'm going to actually agree with what you just said, which is if you want to take a small piece of this and, and place a bet, it's kind of like gambling, right? And, but, and, but make that 2 3 4 5%, maybe even 10%, but probably no more than 10% of your portfolio to take this kind of gambling-type bet on. Yeah, you have to have, I think, if the money's going to be gone, it's not going to hurt your overall strategy. Right. In other words, you, you can afford to lose it. You can, is yes. Is I mean, if, it, if you lose it, it's it, not going to affect your It's your not going to, yeah, you're, you're right. Your, your overall financial strategy is not, you're not, you know, rice and beans. You know? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, next. Okay. All right. Is Good this answer. next one from Pat also? Yeah, this is yeah, from Pat. 
I was recently told by more than one financial advisor that I should roll my employee retirement plan, now that I've left the company, into an individual IRA. When I called that company to do just that, I was told by their advisor not to roll it over. He explained that I began investing in 2007-2008 when the market was low. If I were to roll over the to an individual IRA, I would be buying in when market prices are high, thus buying fewer stocks, bonds, whatever prices comprise the plan. He also said, since your plan has averaged a 5.1% gain this year, why would I want to lose that? Makes sense? Can someone speak for this logic for not rolling over? Uh, we got to take a break. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Welcome back to the program. The show's called Your Money or Wealth. A couple of things. Let's start with the advisor saying, hey, sir or ma'am, Pat. Pat. Okay. Roll your money over. You left the employer, roll it over. Okay. Now there's pros and cons of rolling over a 401k plan into an IRA. The pro is that, all right, well, here, if you have an advisor that you trust, that you have an overall organized strategy, it probably makes sense to roll it over, have that individual or their team manage your overall assets for you to create the income, to do tax loss harvesting, to do conversions and everything else. So that's a positive. The negative is, is that there's going to be cost involved with that. So if you're working with an advisor, you have to take a look at the cost of your internal plan and you have to take a look at the cost and fees of what's going to happen if you roll it over. And now if those cost or fees justify the value that you're getting, then I think it makes sense. If I keep the money in the plan, all right, if I separate from service at age 55, there is no 10% penalty. So it might make sense to keep it in the plan. If you really love the investments and you don't want to deal with it, keep it in the plan. But I can't take loans from it. I can't contribute to it. It's a dormant plan, right? So those are the pros and cons. Anything else on that? Yeah, another thing is if you're older, like let's say you are um, you're in your early 70s and you want to get another job or you want to get a part-time job that has a 401k that you qualify for, you can actually potentially roll that old plan into your new plan and then you don't actually have to take a required minimum distribution because you're an active participant in a 401k yet if you leave it in the old 401k and or you roll it to an IRA you have to take a required minimum distribution at age 70 and a half so in an IRA you have the breadth of all investments you know it's I'll, it's also easier, Joe, to do Roth conversions and recharacterizations. Yeah, you have in a little bit more control. Yes, so because I, if it comes from a four hundred one k and you convert, it's going to convert in cash. If I have it in an IRA and I, if I convert, I can convert like shares. Yes, right. So there's 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 pros and cons. You just have to weigh those out. Yeah. Let's I, assume that she says yes. I think it makes sense for me to roll just to consolidate to keep it easy and everything else. Okay. Now, her it. Plan advisor is a total D bag. He was probably even worse than the other ones. Awful. <laughs> so let's just break this down. So he's telling this person, hey, you started investing in 2007 and 2008 when the market was low. If you were to roll it over into an individual IRA, you're going to be buying high. <laughs> oh my God. I don't even know where to start with I that. I don't know how to start with that either because the, all the stocks, shares, mutual funds, whatever she owns, she bought low and are high right now. Right now. Right now. And so if, if you're going to get it out of the 401k, those are going to be sold you, at, a, at a high value. It, and then that transfers over to your IRA. You can buy those same shares if you want to. At the same price. At the same price. 
Right? It's at the same price. You sell it. Uh, if he's arguing, like, how does he know it's high? I mean, the market can still go up another 30%. Who knows? He doesn't have a crystal ball. And, and so fu- you're, I'm selling at this share price. I'm buying back in potentially at the same share price. And that 5% you made this year, well, you're selling those shares at that high price. Right. And then It doesn't go away. Transfer to the IRA, and you can buy and have the same positions or maybe even better positions. Joe, like you said, that is a huge advantage of IRAs is you have a, a bigger choice of investments i would be buying when the market is high that's buying fewer stocks no you're not he also said since your plan is average five and a half percent gain why would i want to lose that what you're not going to lose the gain you already have it it's like well if you move your assets i'm going to take that five and a half percent gain back (laughs) that goes in my pocket that goes in my pocket right (laughs) And, so, Joe, why why would the plan advisor want her to keep the assets? Because in? I uh, guarantee, well, there's no guarantees in life. I'm assuming she works for a small company. Yeah. Right? And the small company hired an advisor to set up the 401k plan. So the advisor, right, he probably comes in and says, hey, you know, how's everything doing? How's the 401k? Right? It's probably with a loaded mutual fund or maybe an insurance company or something like that where that individual is getting compensated. And this is probably a fairly high loaded, you know, fee-driven plan, right? Right. And so if those assets leave the plan, his or her compensation goes with it. So, all right. So he or she gets a pay cut. Yes. When, when they lose assets. Right. So, well, so. no, you don't want to. Why would you want to do that? You're going to be buying low? I mean, right? It's like you're going to lose your 5.5% gain. Well, this is what really drives me nuts about the profession is that there's just dirty people that it's like, are you kidding me? Just be honest. Just say, you know what? I don't want to lose your business. Here's what. Yeah, and, if you're gonna roll into we, an got, IRA, hey, maybe we can invest- do something a little bit different here. Yeah. How can I keep your business? Exactly, Joe. That's that. that Instead is, of these lies, I mean, this advisor must have been staying up late at night trying to think what could I possibly, could I possibly say, say to pull or, the wool over her. And you know what? It's it's probably not even that. That's what he's been saying for years. <laughs> well, here's some plan. You know, oh, I got this notice that she wants to roll over the 401k. I'm gonna sit down with her and tell her the same spiel. Wait a minute! You got in the the plan in 0708. If you get out now, why are you you're gonna? Oh, you have to buy high. You got to buy high. I'm <laughs> selling high, buying high. If that's the, the you know vernacular you want to use. <laughs> oh geez, yeah. So it goes both directions. So I guess part of the moral of this story is you got to look and see what's in it for the advisor that you're talking to, and and know that there's probably a bias there, and just just go into it with your eyes open. Right. There's pros and cons to moving money into an IRA really from are. a 401k. And, and, most and I would imagine, get the heck out of this plan because who's ever running the plan is being deceitful. I would agree with that. But make sure you find an, an advisor that's, well, I would suggest fee only, that doesn't sell any products, that really is acting as a fiduciary in your best interest. And then you can start getting better advice than, than clearly this, this plan administrator is giving you. Right. It's just BS. It's all right. Well, so I guess my advice is, yeah, get out of that plan because of, but uh, I, I want to reiterate the pros and cons. Okay. Yes. Get Pro it, yeah. to keeping it into a plan. So for those of you that are thinking, hey, should I move this out of the 401k plan? 
Well, if you work for a large company, this is probably a smaller company. If you work for a large company, just understand the cost and fees that you're paying because you're probably getting institutional type pricing there. Yeah, so uh, it, could, it could be cheaper. It could than be a lot IRA. cheaper, right? If you go on your own, retail investor probably gets a little bit you know higher pricing than a big institution. It's a lot of large numbers. If I like the plan, and I, you don't have to move the money out of the plan if you don't want to, right? But just know it's a dormant plan now. You can't combine any other plans to that because you're no longer an employee there. You can't take a loan. You can't contribute. Um, and then the money is still with the, the company, right? It's still with the plan. So in most cases, in my opinion, I think it makes sense to roll it over. And I know, you know that, that could be very biased because our company is an asset manager, right? We manage assets and we are a financial planning firm. So sure, yeah, if those people roll money to our care, yeah, we're going to be compensated on it. So, um, But there's pros and cons. As long as you understand the pros and cons, you're making a well-informed decision to make sure that you're doing everything appropriately for you and your family. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Um, my name's Joey Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Go to purefinancial.com. Learn more about us. We're a fee-only registered investment advisor right here in Southern California. We're um, at that time of the show where we're asking um, or reading email questions. Here's one for you, buddy. Hey, what do you got? Are profits from trading options in a non-qualified brokerage account subject to FICA tax? Oh, that's an interesting question. Is that it or you got more? No, it says, are profits from trading options or stocks in a non-qualified brokerage account subject to the 10.4% FICA tax? 10.4? <laughs> okay. Well, well. I took that out just not to confuse people. <laughs> Uh, well, let me answer that. A couple of different things, I guess. Trading options, uh, no. Generally, that's investment income. That that would be, it could be short term, it could be long term. Now, if you are classified as a as a trader, and there's an IRS term for what a trader is, then it could. Then it, yes, it would. It could be considered uh, ordinary income. ordinary income, subject to self employment tax. But for most of us, we're not necessarily traders, and so that's just going to be investment gains, investment losses. It could be long term gains. It could be long term, you know, long term or short term gains, whatever. Um, now, and the second part of this is when it comes to FICA taxes, if you are a professional trader, then you have to pay self-employment tax, which is actually twice as much as what the rest of us pay in terms of being employed. And the reason it's twice as much is when we are an employee, the employer pays half of our tax and we pay half. So it's 7.65% each. And so when it's your self-employed, it's 15.3%. So that's the rate, not 10.3 or whatever was said. 10.4. 10.4. It's 15.3 until you get to about $120,000 of income, and then the Social Security, the FICA part goes away, and now you're left with a 2.9% tax. But generally, no. Trading options would be investment income, not subject to FICA tax. Uh, Here's one. Big Al, love the show. My wife and I... I was going to say your mom wrote that, but no. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) My wife and I are both 60 years old. We have taxable investments valued at $900,000. Okay. 401k and IRAs valued at $1.2 million. And a Roth valued at $23,000. Okay. We would like to retire in about eight years. Okay. A co-worker said um, he heard you on the radio. 
and said that it was possible to pay no income tax in retirement, even on Social Security benefits. With my situation, how is this possible? (laughs) Uh, It's probably not possible uh, because, you know what, you've done such a good job saving. You've got $900,000 in a taxable account, $1.2 million in 401Ks, IRAs, congrats. About $23,000 in a Roth IRA. If you're going to work, you're 60, you're going to work eight more years till 68. You've got a couple years where where maybe your income is lower. That would be the prime time maybe to do Roth conversions. And maybe you want to be doing some conversions right now. Here's here's how he does it, right? He's got to convert the $1.2 million into a Roth IRA from now until, let's say, age 70. He pushes out Social Security to age 70, Okay. Then he's got his brokerage account of 900000 Maybe he saves X amount of dollars into that brokerage account, right? Right. So now he's got, I don't know, whatever, million plus in the brokerage account. The 1.2, hopefully most of that, maybe let's say he could get two-thirds of it into a Roth, right? Pay the tax now, get two-thirds of it into a Roth over the next 10 years. He's got 10 years to do it. You with me? Yes. All right. So now- So he does like 100000 per year. Roth like conversion. That, right? Yeah, of course you have to do more planning here. But now most of the assets are in a Roth IRA. He's got a little bit left in the IRA and then his Social Security because then it's based on provisional income. And if he does tax loss harvesting, right? so if he's very tax efficient with the non-qualified account, the one that the brokerage account, if he could then you know have losses and gains and he offsets those, that's not going to show up on his tax return, right? Then you look at the Roth IRA. That's not going to show up on his tax return. And then you and then you push out your Social Security to age seventy. Looks like he's a fairly high income wage earner. That's probably be pretty high. Right? So he could. He, he could do it. That's how you do it. I mean, that's no. what we've been doing with our clients for years. Is trying to get as much money into a Roth IRA as possible, because and pushing out Social Security because you have to look at how Social Security is going to be taxed and how it's. How they look at it is on provisional income, and he's got so much money in a retirement account, it's it's going to blow him up. Yeah, it is, Joe. The, the tough part about that is he's going to be working for the next eight years and probably will already be in a high bracket. So it's it may so that's how he could do it. Would we recommend it? Probably not, because the taxes he would pay now to do that may not justify the complete tax, tax savings on the other end, but it is possible. You could also take the $900,000 and start investing in real estate. And then when you retire, you become a real estate professional. And so you can deduct all your depreciation losses. And that's another way to pay virtually no tax. Our president-elect Donald Trump, that's what he has done. Completely legitimate, completely legal. Now, but in terms of your fact pattern, uh, it's it would be difficult. I'll just be honest. It would be difficult to get that much converted to where you're paying no tax. And maybe you don't even want to because if you're paying 25 or 28 percent federal tax to convert and staying out of the 15 percent bracket or maybe the future 12 percent bracket they that may not make sense it might make a lot more sense to figure out all right how much should i convert so i can stay to the top of the 12 or 15 percent tax bracket so i'm paying 25 28 percent tax right now to be able to do this but that keeps me out of the higher brackets later yes i am paying some tax but i'm staying in the lowest of brackets that actually would be the smartest tax strategy boring <laughs> well yours was unrealistic what are you talking about <laughs> it's too expensive you, well you were going hypothetically you can do that is right it's just it's just not going to make sense i don't believe well, let's pencil this thing out <laughs> 
<laughs> we don't know how much he no, makes. I know. We don't we don't know it near enough yet. Because that's to really to do this properly, you gotta do tax projections from now till into your 80s or 90s right. to, to figure out what's going to make the most sense for so you. So th- if he let's say if he did that, Alan, right? Yeah. And so if he lives until age 90, right? So 20 years. So he retires at 70, retires at 90, and assume he doesn't pay a diamond tax for 20 years. Right. Right? Then you would have to look at how much money did he pay in tax by doing my strategy to age 70, <laughs> Versus how much he would have paid, right? Because you you paid all the tax up front before retirement, and then in retirement you don't pay a diamond tax, tax free forever. Yeah, you'd have to, well, you to do this right, you'd have to do tax projections and look at present value dollars, and yeah, I I agree, it's it is a way to do it, and I guess that was the question: how is this possible? And you are correct, Mr. Joe Anderson, it is possible to convert all of the Roth IRA. Over the next ten years, so there is no required distribution. Well, let's say if and, let's say if he's saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to stop working." Sure. Well, then, then you convert. that makes that makes it easier, right? Because now you're in a low tax bracket, and that's a big miss, Joe. A lot of people retire at 62 or 64; they're in a very low bracket, and they could be doing Roth conversions all the way up to age 70 and a half, and then be in a much better spot. In some cases, pay very little or even no tax, and. Boy, this, this, it was a good question, Joe, and we're talking about Roth IRAs, converting 401ks, IRAs to Roth IRAs, and truly it can potentially save you thousands of dollars in taxes. Plus, there's a number of other benefits that really aren't offered by your IRA or 401k. For example, when you convert your retirement accounts to Roth IRA, you get tax-free income in retirement. There are no required minimum distributions. And you can pass along the money in your Roth IRA to your beneficiaries tax-free. 